Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And we are joined by the incomparable Kaylee Butcher. Hey. <laughs> I, think, I think that it's funny that all of our guests lately have been incomparable. Well, yeah, but you the only way that you can compare them <laughs> is that they are incomparable. They're, oh. So yeah. maybe. The I'll, only I'll way, still take it. The only way that you can compare them is if it. you go and listen to all of our episodes. Yeah. So and even then you won't be able to. So everybody should do that. So yeah. everybody listen. <laughs> so. Follow it. <laughs> I just went. Maureen didn't go because she doesn't care. No, because she, she hates me. Yeah. It's because I really strongly hate you. <laughs> we just met, but mm-hmm. you hate me. I gave you water, and the moment I gave you water, I was like, this, this bitch. person. <laughs> oh, wait. Can we curse on this? Is oh, you, okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally okay, curse great. on this, yeah. <laughs> I think Warren was just like, I don't want to come out with the, with the guns yet. No. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got a fiery tongue. I'm not going to ignite it, though. <laughs> okay, good to know. Me, too. Um, yeah, so last night, y'all just had the um, Quince. Yep. Season opener. Contemporary vocal ensemble. Mm-hmm. That is the full title, right? All female yeah. contemporary vocal ensemble, yeah. Rad as fuck. Hey, thanks. So cool. Thank yeah. you. That's um, really fun. Yeah, would you mind telling? Because the subtitle was um, Where is Home Now? Where is Home Now? So, yeah. so that's um, taken from a lyric from one of the pieces that right. we sang. So it was taken from this piece by Kara Haxo, who is mm-hmm. based in Portland right now. She's from Massachusetts originally. Um, and she, we met her at the Walden school, which is this place in New Hampshire where they do like, um, it's just like a composition music camp for kids. And it's like cool. heaven, absolute heaven. And they, ha- they bring people in like ice does a lot of stuff there, international contemporary ensemble, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of other groups. And I met Kara there and she wrote this piece for us to premiere at this, at this residency. And it's like such a badass piece because it is about taking magazines that are tailored and, um, for women and cutting up various texts and then splicing them together to make really dark texts mm-hmm. about what it means to be a woman and like beauty standards essentially. Cool. And so one of the lines is where is home now? And we thought like what a, an appropriate place what an appropriate <laughs> position we are in because we are Chicago based, but none of us live in Chicago yeah. anymore, but we have, we still have such a presence here or we, we want to have a presence here and we, you know, our season openers here, we have shows throughout the seasons always here. We have board members here, you know, like we mm-hmm. have a place, but none of us live here. So it's, it's, yeah, we thought it was so appropriate. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to call the whole show that. Yeah. Well, and I also, um, the thing that was interesting for me was that it was um, the one piece, the not pe- but the multi-movement piece, the... Um, Laura Steinberg. Yes, was yeah. kind of like bookending it to a certain extent. Yeah. Not necessarily bookending it, but you know what I mean, that it was kind of like a... I was interested in like that from a... Right, between... like from a programming standpoint. Like Yeah. Well, the way that Quince works is I'm the executive director um, Liz Purse is mm-hmm. the program director of the group. So we all weigh in on programming decisions. Like we don't commission people that we don't all agree on um, or program pieces that we don't all agree on. But Liz is the one that pitches those ideas to us and like gives feedback for like program order. And so Laura's piece is, is supposed to be done all together. But we thought it was it would be so cool to intersperse them like sporadically mm-hmm. among the other the world premieres that we were doing we did a world premiere by um local composers fred gifford and dave remnick yeah and wanted to like 
differentiate thing you know like we sing in such different styles contemporary music styles there's like extended techniques and singing Mm -hmm. tonally and going back and forth between the two and very rhythmic singing and like operatic singing with with vibrato and then straight tone singing so it's like we should vary it up with like Mm -hmm. moving things in different places and not have to worry about like the movement one movement two movement three you know well and also if you're about bucking expectation right then like being confined by movement yeah man yeah don't let the man bring you down right yes exactly (laughs) exactly i mean and that's that's honestly like why i enjoy contemporary music and being in the group like this is because we do have 100 percent agency over who we commission yeah we program where we perform who i'm performing with like Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's ideal i got that i met you i think I don't even know. We should look it up on Facebook. But it was the, like, because we (laughs) were trying to do, it was through Opera on Tap stuff, and we were trying to do stuff for when I was working there, um, where we were like, oh, we'll try and, like, do, we'll, like, commission some pieces. And then Aaron Mall, who was working with me at the time, was like, oh, well, like, National Chapter has a branch of new music stuff. And I remember at the time, like, I didn't have any new music experience. Like, Mm -hmm. I'd never been to a Constellation or anything like that. And we met you. Yeah. And you were just, like, rad as fuck, very agency-driven, and just, like, completely... I had, like, suspicions of what, like, the new music scene had... Or, like, doing something and being like, this is new music, like... (laughs) ideas of what that entailed but it just like it was like a formative like there are there are serious expectations here there is a culture um for sure there's definitely especially in chicago right absolutely for sure um yeah so because i know that uh you worked a ton with new brew and did did you go pretty much the gate who's coming what is that it's the it's the oddball hour. So are there we, was a, are we a back? package. Yeah, we're back. Okay. <laughs> we're back. Sorry about that, everybody. Sorry, we ordered tiny top hats from Amazon and they arrived. Yeah. <laughs> and we're wearing them right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mine of is course. pink mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a feather bow around it. Okay. Mine is like a mine is like a um like a groom's hat, mm-hmm. except that it has um, a veil. A veil. Yes. Yes. So I'm marrying myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine's the size of my body. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see your face anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the weirdest interview ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So. Yes, and. <laughs> yes, and. You really went to town. Um, so. Okay. New I'm, brew. My, yeah, the general, the general question I, I'm kind of curious about is, um, how did you go from, because... You have classical training, right? I have classical training. Right. Mm-hmm. But then Bachelor's where did you go from that to like, you know what? New music. Fuck it. Yeah. Um, it was actually in, in grad school. So in I went to conservatory in Kansas City, UMKC Conservatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was very conservative. There's an, an amazing new music program there, actually. But I knew nothing about it when I was there because mm. I was all about the opera and right. going the young artist program route and figuring out how to do that and realizing that I it was not for me 
but I didn't know what else there was to do. I had no mm-hmm. idea what you could do as a singer other than this. There was no, I had no interest in singing pop music or, or jazz. I liked singing in choirs. I knew I wanted to be in choirs in some capacity, but I also didn't like that I couldn't make programming choices yeah. or interpretation choices. So that, that stuff kind of pissed me off. Starting towards the end of my four years at the conservatory, I took a year off, went to Germany, and just studied the language for a while, and then came back and was like, okay, I'm ready for grad school. Like, I think I still want to do this. I still don't know exactly what I want to do, but like, you're supposed to have your master's degree, and I don't want to do anything but music, so... Mm Let's figure it out. And so then I went to grad school at Bowling Green State University, which is like the Midwest outside of Chicago is the Midwest hub for contemporary music. Mm. Um, really? They have an annual new music festival every year run by Kurt Doles, um, who is amazing and a beautiful like curator, like really knows how to program um, and knows basically everything in contemporary music. And um, lots of teachers there um, that can teach extended techniques and contemporary techniques and lots of students that are interested in it. So I did not choose Bowling Green State University for that reason. I wanted to study with a teacher there. Um, but once I got there, it was like, oh, I found what I want to do now. Mm-hmm. This is this is what I want to do. I have total agency over it. Um, I, I met like-minded people that were interested in it that I'm still working with today, eight years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, like, found my place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the... The interesting thing to me, and kind of why I referenced back to that to that meeting you thing, was um, there. I like, of course, I was aware of the fact that like extended techniques for voice existed, mm-hmm. but I, I just remember specifically like the a note that I remember you hit on was like there are people that train in this, and like that's super. Like it's it's not just like. I mean, there is to some extent probably people. Fuck, I don't. I'm not, also not entirely. This is me just like making up shit. At this yeah, point. no, it's all. But good. like, you can't um, say anything wrong right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a safe space. Yeah, but there are <clears> like there are like playing around a lot of playing around, but like it's a a lot of it's based in like training. It seems for sure. I mean, now it is because it's like it's codified now. Yeah. Um, Lachenmann, who is a, a very famous, who I believe is still living. Yeah, he's still living. Um, German composer wrote so many extended techniques. Berio, Luciano Berio, um, Apergis, um, Kathy Barbarian used a lot of these things. George Crumb, not so much. Um, but like people in that era, era really wrote so much for extended technique, you know, post-war. It was like mm-hmm. a thing that happened and I've never taken a class on it so I can't be super knowledgeable on it. But that's when it was happening and there it's now been codified. Mm-hmm. And there are famous writers. There's a famous composer or writer, um, Michael Edgerton, who has written numerous versions of the of the same kind of book. Like it's, it's yeah. a, kind of a textbook that's only on contemporary vocal techniques, demonstrating them, like there's audio samples and how to notate them in music. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, there are people that train in this specifically yeah um it's really hard to find someone in america that does that but there are people mm-hmm. yeah and they mostly live on the east coast or the west i find it so valuable um <clears throat> to have been in an educational setting that puts such an emphasis on contemporary music i went to a peabody conservatory oh. and like kevin putz is on yeah composition faculty there he, he wrote, is doing good yeah he wrote did you that silent night opera Silent Night Opera, yeah mm. which is being performed all over the u.s now yeah and when i was there um 
the premiere at Minnesota was happening. Okay. And so, like, it was a very exciting time. And, like, there are so many, there are so many, like, off the wall. And, like, a bunch of, like, contemporary composers are, like, on the theory faculty and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool hub. And going there, I had no interest in new music because I didn't really know what it was. Sure, yeah. Um, But then... Like, my four years there, I left with, like, such an appreciation for it. And, oh, that's so great to hear. And so, like, fostering these, like, little hubs and, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, I guess normalizing it. And yeah. being like, yeah, of course you would, you know, sing Bellini one day and then also work on you this. You can do both. Yeah, work on this, um, yep. you know, commission by by your friend Joseph. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you can do both. I mean, we're musicians. Yeah, we can do, we're, we're trained to do it all. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about extended techniques, but like Kevin Putz, he doesn't write a lot of extended techniques. It's all very tonal. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. tonal ish. And, um, you know, my gateway into contemporary music was not extended technique. Mm. I thought that was still trash at the time. Mm-hmm. I listened to, if you're familiar with David Lang, David yeah. Lang, the little match girl passion, the thing that won him the Pulitzer. <clears throat> that was mm-hmm. my gateway piece. Yeah. Once I heard that, I was like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Steve Reich, Music for 18 Musicians, and um, like the Apergis recitations, like those are the things that... The, re- the recitations are, like, almost all extended techniques. So that was my gateway into that. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's there's a variety, you know? Yeah. Just, like, not all opera sounds the same. Different yeah. eras sound different and, yeah, you know. Yeah, and now Quint's contemporary ensemble. And now Quint's, yeah, we're doing so thing. So how long has that been running now? So we, Amanda DeBoer and I started it in, at Bowling Green um, in grad school in 2012. Cool. Um, 2011. 2011. Wow. 2011. We had our first concert in 2012, but I'm counting, like, when we decided to found the group and, like, started rehearsing, you know? So, so yeah, a while now. And then we got incorporated in Illinois in, like, 2014 or something like that. Question for yeah. you. <clears throat> sure. Because this isn't, and this is off this topic. This is an interview, so. Yeah. So, par for the course. <laughs> um, but, I'm asking, uh, the reason I'm, like, qualifying it is that it has nothing to do with um, the artistry of it and more the nuts and bolts. Sure. So we are currently looking at some form of incorporation. Sure. Mm-hmm. And are, are y'all a nonprofit? Are y'all... We are. Okay. So, we are a 501c3. So what made you choose nonprofit versus, like, an incorp- like a corporation like versus... Money! Yeah. We can apply for grants. Okay. We can apply for funding. Mm-hmm. That's literally the only reason. Okay. I, I wonder every day whether I've made the right call. Yeah. Mm. Because, fun, you know, funding is being cut everywhere. Arts funding in particular. Mm-hmm. The NEA is always in trouble. <clears throat> yeah. Particularly in 20. 20- November 2016 and um what and on huh what's going on I don't know uh so yeah that's the only reason uh we could technically run ourselves as a business I know there's a local group called Axiom Brass and they run themselves as a for-profit um which I I just don't know if I could do that as a music group I don't know if I could do that I I think for for me I just don't entirely understand what it is that a for-profit can do because for me it's i don't really care about the nuts and bolts of like salary maximums and things right, like yeah, that sure. for, for me it's about functionality and so i don't really understand what a non-for-profit 
can no what am i trying to say i don't understand what a for-profit can do yeah. that a not-for-profit can't functional functionality wise yeah that's a great question i i, I guess i don't know too much about it because we we've right. never considered it but yeah. the way that i the way that i feel about it is that the it's not necessarily the way things are run like financially but the way things are run interpersonally mm. <laughs> potentially like you like people are in are hired employees right. whereas like within quince we're all equals like i'm the director but we all make the decisions mm-hmm. it, it's just like what's on paper i'm you know i don't really care if i'm the director or named the director or yeah. someone else's we all have equal say in this whereas if it's if for profit there is one person that is the ceo and they can fire you if they don't like your plan mm-hmm. you know um which and ownership is a big factor. and ownership yeah and decide which gigs to take yeah and all of those different things whereas non-for-profit we decide because we all have solo careers so mm-hmm. we we decide which gigs to take and negotiate our salaries together as a group and mm-hmm. not just like i'll take whatever you can give up you know mm-hmm. or or we demand this number and yeah. if you can't provide it then we're not going to come you know like we're it's music and it, it funding is being cut left and right and music is being cut from schools like mm-hmm. we just want to perform for people right it's a service so i don't think about i can't think about it as a for-profit right it just feels so odd yeah no it's definitely something we've been mulling over well because basically we're it's i know for if we're gonna apply for a non-for-profit we'd like want to do it like knock it out of the park and like hire a lawyer to like make sure that we yeah do lawyers for the arts.com yeah if you know what that is they're they're like lawyers that that help people out for like really big discounts or pro bono Dope. or whatever lawyers for the arts.com they cool. will you can like just hire someone awesome good thing this is being recorded hey <laughs> um cool so the other thing that i know i really wanted to talk to you about so is the is it your next upcoming project or do you have stuff in between the the, um, the schoenberg the schoenberg thing? yeah do i no, I'm taking October off. I'm sure last minute you. stuff will always yeah. come up. Right. But the summer was bonkers for me. Mm. And I was traveling like crazy and wasting all of my money. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to take a break. So we did our season opener for Quinn's last night. And now I'll be prepping. Um, I, oh, that's not true. I have a I have a new brew show in October. Cool. In October so nice. next week. But, um, but after that, it's just... I'm just learning music for the rest of the season. Um, and then the big Schoenberg project mm-hmm. on November 19th at Constellation. Yeah. That's the big thing. Yeah. Big so project. that's with um, Christopher Narlock. Christopher Narlock. Yeah. Who, who has I've... his own studio. Right. Yeah. Teaching studio in Ravenswood. That I don't sounds know where right. it is. Yeah. This is not the first time his name has come up on this podcast. Well, and he's... I, he's I, a good um, guy to know. You he, should talk to him. Has he been around for a while? Like, I... We went to grad school together, actually, cool. and we shared a, the the GTA office together. But we never really talked that much, honestly, because we, he was in the piano department, I was in the vocal department. Right. You know, we like we both had our our different things, but we all keep in touch. Like, yeah, everyone from Bowling Green keeps in touch. I like the grad idea. School. I like the idea of you two sharing an office and like literally never speaking. <laughs> yeah, we didn't never speak, <laughs> but we just didn't have any. We like never made plans to like collaborate mm-hmm. or gotcha. like talked about what we were doing. You know, because we were just so busy teaching and being in class and yeah. you know getting drunk. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> we would sometimes be at the same parties. Anyway, so he started his studio here. I think maybe his family or his wife's family is from around here. Okay. I'm like blanking on the the, the details actually. But um, 
but yeah, we, we were talking about doing something together and we were like, what could we do? We really like second Viennese school. Mm-hmm. We're both like contemporary music, like fanatics. Um, but what if we did something that was like a throwback to the second Viennese school where mm-hmm. kind of it all started and, um, and then moving that in, well, not it all started. Bach was new music right. when he was living, but like the stuff that we are interested in personally, mm-hmm. um, as a duo. So yeah, once we, once we decided on the Schoenberg, we like narrowed it down to this. Cause this is like one of my dream pieces. Like I have a dream role. I would always, I always want to play Carabino in the marriage of Figaro. Like that's my dream role. If I, that will never happen because I'm not like doing opera anymore unless mm-hmm. it's contemporary, but it's a dream role. And this is a dream piece of mine. So, like we decided to do this cool and it's a fucking hard part for him yeah so it was a nice challenge i think that Mm -hmm. he enjoyed i hope that he enjoys if he listens to this what about the piece drew you to it well i love it's it's sort of the first he's not atonal yet like this Mm -hmm. is before he goes batshit crazy and like complete 12 tone serialism this is the when he's starting to experiment with that Mm -hmm. so a lot of things seem tonal at times and then you hear something totally bonkers happening musically and it's like the exploration you can hear the exploration in the music Plus, I love singing in German, the poetry, Stefan George. I don't know how to say his name. Mm. He's he's French or German. I can't remember anymore. But they were like, Schoenberg and him were really good friends, I Mm -hmm. think, and like wanted to collaborate on this. And so he wrote this text and it's gorgeous. It's so much fun to sing. It's like perfect register for me as a mezzo, like because I can sing high, but I can't stay up high for that much longer or for that for that long. And um the the story are you guys familiar with the story Mm-mm. it's so vague it's like french impressionistic like vague story about this girl that goes to a garden the book of the hanging gardens is what it's called and um she goes to this garden and waits for her lover when he finally comes they're really happy and then something happens and it's super vague and then she leaves and you know that like the relationship is done Mm-hmm. And that that's the story. It's like so French, I can't even take it. Yeah. And I just think there's something hilarious and like beautiful about it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, so that, uh, it was interesting talking to you about kind of the programming of it because there was a moment where y'all realized like, okay, this is 20 to 25 minutes. Like, yeah. um, and, not long enough. Right. So we actually, um, I had seen the post about it. What kind of clued me into like, oh, I should reach out to Kaylee Butcher about coming on the show was our friend uh, who we had on last week, Jonathan Hanau, Uh talked about how he is writing a piece for it. He did, and Um, it's a good one. It's like using microtonality a little bit too, which is really fun. Yeah, so there's, because that's one of the things is, so are you performing all 15, because y'all commissioned 15 composers? 15 composers right. a lot of them are chicago based mm-hmm. because we're we're i lived in chicago before i moved and right. uh yeah we know a lot of people here so yeah 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 we we commissioned jonathan 15 composers yeah mm-hmm. it's 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 a little overwhelming so we'll pair them together it'll be the schoenberg first and then the 15 commissions mm-hmm. in the order because they're each movement that we commissioned is inspired by one of the 15 movements of the schoenberg cool yeah what at how many composers is it for you when it gets, starts to get overwhelming the like <laughs> like as a, at an organizational <laughs> like level. like is it 16 composers it's is 15 it, i know i mean but like oh. with schoenberg like is 16 the number where it gets overwhelming or like, is it because or is it of the, the music that i have to learn or like in what way <laughs> i guess in 
But, well, it's interesting, right? Because I think um, I know as a, an administrator slash performer, it's hard to sometimes it's hard to wear both hats. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. To like just manage the whole project. Right. I see right, what you mean. Yeah. I mean, we did it together. So, so Chris and I decided like who we, we talked and made like this big long list of like dream people that we could right. commission, um, and just like went for it and asked those people. And like some said no because they didn't have time, or you know they had another big project coming up, or like just wasn't interested in Schoenberg. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But yeah. So then and then we just like narrowed it down. And so he took on the administrative side for those composers that he picked, and that said yes. And then I did mine, and nice. then. Yeah, yeah. So we we took yeah we did it together. It wasn't all just like me or all him or something Good. like that. Yeah, which cool. is yeah no way. <laughs> no, that's always super it's helpful. too much to manage. Mm-hmm. Too many people. Yeah. 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 No, that's generally something I've been thinking about because for some reason in the arts it's so easy to, um, especially when you're just starting out because there's a lot of times where people will wear an administrative hat because no one else will yeah and so they're you have to like trial by fire learn how to do that and then like just so much burnout in that first year of people doing that and you just i i feel like i keep seeing that happening and it's just such a an interesting thing to kind of it's true post mine own a few years ago and then being like okay i'm not gonna bite off more than i can chew it's never gonna go away though the administrative side is right. never going to go away. Of course. And it's also, I feel, hard to communicate to a person that's going through that. Like, don't bite off more than you can chew. Yeah. But there's also, like, that's that's where your agency is born. Right. Like, you sure, have control yeah. over this project. And you know you can decide where it goes. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is inspiring. Like, when you hear other people, like, doing their own thing and creating their own opportunities, like, is so important, particularly in contemporary music, where there mm-hmm. are not young artist programs. And, you know, I think the, the sort of, uh, this is like a whole other conversation that we don't have to talk about, but I think that the young artist program model is extremely flawed and exploitative. Yeah, I'm um, actually interested in hearing kind of your perspective oh. on that. As a person that's committed to not doing that, in a way. I, I'm totally, you know, I like... <laughs> So I was ag- I was in AGMA yeah. <laughs> for the longest time and like even through grad school and I only do contemporary music now really. I did a Messiah two years ago, but mm-hmm. it wasn't an AGMA gig and I really only do contemporary music. I'm not opposed to doing older music. I just don't really, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to audition anymore. Like I yeah. shouldn't have to. I feel like I've paid my dues and like you can go on my website and hear how I sing. And if you like my voice, then mm-hmm. hire me. Mm-hmm. If not, don't hire me. And that's okay. I'll find another thing somewhere else. But for young artist programs, I just, you have to pay to audition. You have to pay to fly. You have to pay mm-hmm. for the application fee. None of that comes back to you. The life on the road is just like insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one of my best friends is an opera coach and she does this very similar things that she goes around to young artist programs and, and just like opera companies and serves as the, as the opera coach or outreach coach or whatever. And like, she tells me about all the, the shit that goes down in young artist programs, mm-hmm. all the politics, um, people, I, I was, I was singing at the lyric opera of Kansas city when I was in the conservatory in my undergrad, um, which is like a, 
an A house. Yeah. It's, it's a nice house there. And, um, or maybe B or a really high B. I don't know. I'm pretty mm. sure it's an A. Whatever. It's anyway. It's a B plus house. Thank you. B plus. B plus. B plus plus. Ooh. Hang on. Um, 87.5% maybe. Yeah. And... And I've I've realized that when you do not have agency over and the interpretation um, over the music, when you have zero control over the artistic product, you start talking about each other instead and being Mm. really catty and shitty and not talking about music at all. It just becomes about politics. And I experienced that elsewhere as well. And just found the environment really toxic. Mm. I, I didn't like it. And for some people it works. For me, it doesn't. And for opera houses on top of, you know, outside of the interpersonal things to just charge young singers that much money without any real payoff for them. Mm-hmm. Like they have to start over as soon as that young artist program is done. You're just, it's just, you're setting them up for failure. Yeah. Well, so I did I did young artist auditions two years in a row. Mm-hmm. The first year I was super green and I like I applied for like I think like nine or ten young artist programs. A lot of them were like year long residencies. Mm-hmm. I was like twenty four okay. or something thing. like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was I, like I was just like throw. I, I probably spent like. Four hundred dollars in application fees. Yeah, alone. Apply, apl- exactly on just application fees for programs, and I and I felt like not guided. Like yeah, and because they don't really, they don't really state like here are the people who should be applying. Like here is who we are looking for. It's just right. kind of like. Everyone like here's the age range. Yeah, like, and, and, and usually they if they ha- looking Cal for a Cal. soprano, they're looking for a certain kind of soprano. Right. Vocal, and, even just voice wise, not right. even like getting into the shittiness of like well, looks and, expectations. Well, right. so then, oh my god. Yeah. Well, and as a fat soprano, it's like a whole other thing. Dude. But like I um like I I found myself smack dab in the middle of the age range. I found that there were roles that I was appro- that were appropriate for me, and so mm-hmm. I was like hell yeah, of course I'm going to apply for this year-long residency at yeah. Portland Opera. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, like, I paid the $75 or whatever the hell it was, mm-hmm. and they were and they were like, <laughs> no. And I, so I think that I spent, like, $500, and then I got, I was lucky, I got four auditions that year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I got it, I, I got waitlisted, at one of them and then they ultimately took me so mm-hmm. which like for for the first season first time applying ever doing ever it. like yeah applying for 10 getting four auditions right. and getting one tentative like begrudging yes yeah <laughs> is amazing it is amazing um but then like to have that be an, an amazing success spending but then you have to start over exactly yep. after exactly. the year is done mm-hmm Yep. It's just so fucked up. I had when uh, before grad school, I did auditions for the first time. I got five auditions and didn't make anything. Yeah. And that and I was like, I'm never doing this again. Never. Mm-hmm. I'm not wasting my money. I I I'm an artist. I don't have any money. And there was one audition where I f- fucked up. It was bef- it was right after nine eleven. <clears throat> 
it was right after 9-11. So the, all the laws were really, really super strict. I mean, they're still, they should have been. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have been. But I fucked up on Priceline. And I, like, accidentally misspelled my name. And so they wouldn't let me on the plane. So my mom had to loan me, like, 600 bucks so I could go to this audition. And I was like, I can't. I, no, I'm not doing this. This mm-hmm. is not okay. This is not okay. And $75 for an application fee? What the fuck? They're getting paid for their work. Yeah. They're salaried workers, yeah. and we are not. And we have to pay them? That is exploitation. Absolutely. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm like no. hitting on my soapbox. It's like No, I completely agree with you. So ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I feel so sorry for all of these young singers that yeah. are falling for it. And you have like establishment folks that are have been doing this for a long time that just are yeah. telling young singers you have to do this every year right. and just do it and just do as much as you can and apply for as much as you can folks that like have have not had to think about being poor in like decades because in most cases they're like tenured or right you know or have, have a salary yeah. or like yeah they don't think about what it's like to be in your 20s and like not sure if rent is gonna come through this exactly this month. well and when you're out when when you're on the periphery of like the thick of it, yeah, you know what I mean. When you're on the periphery, of course, it seems like you know you look at Yap Tracker and you look at all of these services, and you're like, there are so many opportunities. Why wouldn't you apply for them? Right. Mm-hmm. But like the emotional toll, the physical toll yeah. of like getting to mm-hmm. these auditions and like and like pr- being that package, like being a being a commodity, you know. Yeah the financial toll just like i you know five hundred dollars in application fees four trips to new york yeah you know if you're finding don't, a place to stay in new right. york in new york yeah oh having, i literally stayed at an arab at an airbnb so that was an an actual closet oh my god okay so if you guys are doing auditions again you can stay with me i live in new york <laughs> yes don't nice. do it but do it and then where, where do you live in new york i'm in inwood where's that uh it's the northernmost neighborhood in manhattan so i live like cool. ten, 10 minutes from the bronx nice i'm the Very last cool. stop on the a train so i'm actually i'm from long island originally <laughs> oh okay yeah um but i, I we because lo- i wasn't like i'm from like east long island and so east long islanders are like mostly white trash Oh. And so we don't really go into the city that often. Okay. Because, like, I mean, I do like now. Like, talk. No, like, Setauket. I mean, so... Sitar- okay. So West Suffolk got it, got it, got is got it. really okay. where I'm from. I know where that is. Um, yeah. So it's not East East, where it's, like... It's, like, people that are Stony like, Brook in relation to you. I grew up very close to Stony Okay, Brook. okay. I've been yeah. to Stony Brook, so yeah. I've been in your... Okay. Um, I did not think it was white trash, but okay. Well, it's weird. I, when I... It's... <laughs> I feel like we gotta recognize at some point that there are multiple classes within white trash. Like, there's, like, stereotypes <laughs> of white trash. But oh, then there shit. is definitely upper-class white trash folks okay. that I actually think tend more often to be the folks that are, like, Nazis right now. So let me know if we get if we're getting to but like people because that's what they're what people are finding that like a lot of the folks that are like getting doxxed as nazis now are like yeah. engineers yeah folks yeah. that like went to college <laughs> and like have money and that's that's the folks right now that are afraid of like getting their change right exactly because yeah. it's like i oh yeah. i earned this like i earned everything Boo-hoo. that i have yeah life is hard for you not yeah right sure. yeah um, anyway, okay. all right. Well, you guys can come for, to cool. New York if you have a. Well, your brother just moved to Harlem too, right? Oh well, yeah. then, dude, you're you're set. My brother is a... thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> my brother, my uh, sister-in-law is a professor at Iona College. Okay, there you go. Got mm-hmm. it. And I don't know where she that she just started. Place. That's okay. why I blanked on the name. It's in New Rochelle. Oh, okay. That's um, north of me. Got and it. so she they they live in East Harlem because there's that train in East Harlem yeah, that gets yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, that gets you right there. And yeah. he's a bartender at MoMA. Damn. Mm. That's the shit. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that yeah. he really lucked out with that. He really lucked out. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to say, going back to exploitation, yes, is that they also do this thing that I think is really fucking evil, which is like having these things that you have to pay for, these master classes where you learn how to audition, which is such bullshit. Like what you're supposed to wear, particularly as a woman, mm-hmm. it's so fucking ridiculous. Well, and. And so subjective. You cannot tell people what a panel is looking for. You have no idea. No clue. Totally And you're agree. charging these people to like sing. I don't know. Yeah. It's just. I wore my, my audition uniform was, which is like such a fucking thing, was technically not appropriate because it was slightly above my knee. You skank. But I looked like Joan fucking Holloway in it and I did not give a single fuck yeah because it was but that's so ridiculous yeah but i like showed it to a couple of people and they were like it's a little too short and i'm like you're too short yeah they are too short <laughs> mm-hmm. don't fucking police me yeah well so i'm curious now um on this note of of exploitation in the arts uh-oh um i started it no it's well okay. i i'm gonna i'm gonna turn it positive the okay, what i'm great. curious like in spaces that are folks just kind of like creating their own stuff and doing what they can yeah. in that. And um, I think the new music scene, the contemporary scene has this especially. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is it that like there's just kind of an undercurrent of like we're not going to treat each other like shit? Yeah, man. Everyone is supportive. Yeah. It's not, it's not across the board. I will say there are some shitty people everywhere mm-hmm. in every field mm-hmm. and every career. But like overall... I truly believe that there is room for everyone to be successful. Yeah. Because and I the reason I think that is because my group does residencies every year with different universities. They're not going to ask us back the second year. And that's mm-hmm. true for every group. So we're we're just like switching and going to different things and there's going to be room for everyone to do these residencies and do these concerts. Yeah. And so why be shitty? Mm-hmm. And because I will also say this is like a a like I don't even know like a networking business thing to just remember but in new music your friends will hire you mm-hmm. so if you're shitty to people your friends will not hire you because mm-hmm. you won't have any friends because you won't have any friends <laughs> so like I have you know like many of us in music we have our hands in different pies mm-hmm. and have many projects that we're working on I help run a festival in New York I help run an opera company in New York mm-hmm. I'm the general manager of that group I um, work with opera on tap and curate and program and host fundraising activities and I do my own solo career and like all of these different things that I have control over curation and programming mm-hmm. and hiring so people are not going to typically be shitty to me once they hear that. Yeah. You know, don't shit where you eat. Right. Of <laughs> like, course. You know, that, that sort of sentiment. So, um, 
we're also just supportive, supportive because there's room to be supportive or, you know, again, there is like so much turn, not turnover. I don't know what the word is, but like, there's so much room for us to like do different things at different dates that there's no, there's no reason to be shitty. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to be catty in the same way. And because we have music to talk about and not like getting hired and freaking out about money and auditions, we don't, we don't stress about that. We stress about interpretation. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we do stress about all that other stuff too, but it's just not as like, projected onto other people as I find in the young artist program scene. Mm -hmm. Well, and what I like especially about the new music scene is that it's so inclusive. Like that's great to hear, yeah. Yeah. Well the more the merrier, man. Yeah. Well it's everybody's doing it. (laughs) Well and it's it's not only is it like inclusive, but it's also like a very tolerant community and like very um like there are there are I would say more like gender non-conforming folks a lot of Mm -hmm. like queer folks involved in new music than for sure establishment that's good that's interesting to hear i didn't realize that but i love i love it and the other thing too that i think is interesting to me is that like in traditionalist establishment classical music like there's such a stronger sense of like competition necessarily and not that like competition is inherently bad or anything like that but i think it's detrimental in that sense in that i i just feel like folks don't realize that like there is room for all of us to succeed. Like it there doesn't, really is. It doesn't there have should to be. be right. It if these people to... weren't exploiting us, but yeah, yeah. right, yeah. And I, I don't know why that is something that is so like foreign. Yeah, foreign. like it's such yeah. a dirty thing to say that like we can all succeed. You well, know? yeah, well, because they're profiting off of it. Right. The only thing that are, there yeah. is the, honestly the only thing that there is a lack of is funding. Yeah. Yeah. There's there is so much ingenuity there is so much enthusiasm Mm -hmm. there is there are so many good ideas out there and like any like in reality like anybody can really do anything they can build anything Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of like having the resources yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i will say that i i that brings me to like that's a really good reason to do contemporary music as well or to like at least try and get into it or show an interest or something like that because budgets are being cut orchestras mm-hmm. are not going to exist for that much longer yeah who knows yeah who knows and so these black box opera theaters these contemporary operas these chamber pieces are where it's happening yeah you know that there there's only s- one the met there's nothing yeah. else everything else is smaller companies well so here's i actually have a, a really interesting question for you because something that we've been talking about a lot is um you know as folks that work in like the classical music scene in chicago mm-hmm. there's a i always get a sense that um in most cases uh that the folks that are coming to shows are people that like have a degree in singing or yeah. like know someone that has oh, a degree dude. in singing. Oh, dude! Yes, this question. Well, yes. but our audiences I, are just our friends. Well, the uh, well that, but I also f- find that I'm noticing that, like Constellation, for example, mm-hmm. I don't get the sense that that's entirely what's going on there. Like oh, I think there's, I think that there's, it's at least, in that there are folks that are like looking for niche things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That the contemporary scene, I feel like draws people outside of their own genres more hmm. compared to like kind of like le poisson rouge mm-hmm. yeah in in, in, in that in sense York, yeah. yeah they do a variety of different things right yeah i mean peter margasek and um 
oh, I'm blanking on his name. I'm a terrible person. Yeah. Mike, I don't know his last name, um, who run Constellation and also The Hungry Brain, which is right down the street. Mm-hmm. Mike Reed. Yes. Nice. Mike Reed. I just never see him. I always see Peter. Um, they're amazing and super supportive of jazz and experimental music mm-hmm. and ambient music and contemporary music. Like they know what is going on. Like you should interview Peter mm-hmm. for sure if you if you can That'd or if dope. you if you know who. Did you meet him last night at the Quinn show? I was so in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, they are so embedded in the music scene here, the contemporary and jazz music scene. Um, Mike Reed is an amazing jazz player and is in, um, like groups with really famous composers and jazz performers. Like they perform all over the world. I mean, they're the shit. They Mm -hmm. are totally the shit and really know how to run that organization, that, that venue. And they are so open and really bring a lot of different people in like the frequency series which is typically on every sunday night at 8 30 they have contemporary music specifically sometimes they'll have them like last night we had a saturday night show Mm -hmm. for certain groups that you think can pull in certain crowds but i mean go to the the frequency series Mm -hmm. they're they're so well curated yeah he's so smart well so going back to the note of um, audiences of our friends, do you mm-hmm. do you have thoughts on like how to get outside of that or? Oh man. In short, collaboration. Yeah. I I think that it's really important to collaborate with people that maybe you wouldn't normally collaborate with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, perf- whether that be performers or like making it multidisciplinary, like working with um, dancers or working with electronic music artists. Um, doing projects in various venues that you wouldn't normally perform in. Um, but like, it's also, it's so important to have like a marketing budget mm. so that you can yeah. market to the right people, right. pay for a sponsored Facebook ad. Like we don't go crazy. We pay for a Facebook sponsored ad and, you know, get someone to design a fancy poster and w- that works enough for us. You know, I think for the people that are, potentially interested in in the type of music that we're interested in Mm -hmm. performing but in the end it's all about collaboration yeah i think i mean it's just like personally fulfilling and also is great for like audience development yeah yeah and and making it like sort of business Mm -hmm. perspective in a business perspective yeah yeah yeah, because i know for me i always come back to um affordability too because i feel like that Mm -hmm. is such a big like the ticket prices you mean yeah right yeah um because i think like a lot of um and i don't this is a thing that i think is this is a thing that i think is the reason why part of the reason why there are many reasons why i've thought this about constellation the contemporary scene in general that it seems more accessible and i'm like using air quotes because like accessible is such a like a buzzword yeah like it's such a like it's a divisive word yeah and And if it's it's, like not in your mission statement then like Right. Yeah. But like, then people just put it in their mission statement and then charge forty dollars for a ticket, and it's right. like, yeah. Or even you know, I know I, your audience, know right. your demographic. Um. Or even like, we know folks that are doing like seventy dollar ticket things, and it's like, good god, who? Good god. What are you expecting in Chicago? Like, what do you, who yeah. are you expecting is going to pay that ticket price? Like, especially because all of your marketing is being spent on people that you know. So yeah. Like what, your friends. Like exactly. I, yeah, like I'm not going to like, and I've said this on the show before, but like I very, very rarely go to something that costs more than twenty bucks. Yeah. Just, just on purpose of not because I don't want to see a thing potentially, but because like 
if I did that every week, like, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, have money for food or like. I, I've had conversations with a lot of arts administrators that have gone to school for arts administration, mm-hmm. uh, arts administration, and they always want to go that route of raising ticket prices because that's what they're taught in school. Yep. And I think that that is extremely flawed. Yeah, thing. I do too. I it, I think of it in because you never make profit nope. on ticket sales. Never ever rely on ticket sales. You mm-hmm. do it for exposure you Mm -hmm. do it to invite people to your show that wouldn't normally come to the show and if you have to comp everyone on the in the goddamn seat or in the goddamn theater do it because you want people in those seats that have never seen you before Mm you're not supposed to make money on ticket sales i mean it'd be great if we did yeah in an ideal world maybe 10 in the 80s that was a thing but not not anymore things have changed and it's like albums we spend a shit ton of money on albums Amanda in the group calls them expensive business cards. You need to have them. They're really important for exposure reasons, mm-hmm. but you are not going to make money on it and don't ever rely on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like make ticket sales affordable because you want people there. The money will come from that mm. because you will have more expo- exposure and then they will want to hire you mm-hmm. or mention you to someone that can hire you. Yeah. We have um we have a few minutes left, but you okay. actually hit a note that I do want to ask you about, Ooh. which is I think it's uh. interesting. I think it's dope that yeah that note that was wow. it. I have so many questions about that. Hit note. it again. That was amazing. <laughs> um, uh, no, I I think it's super interesting and cool that y'all do albums because I mean that is mm. uh, a move that people should be considering more often. Totally. Um. Yeah, because your was your first album in 2016. No, it was in 2012. We got our first grant. Okay, yeah. Nice. To make an, our uh, Realign the Time album. Oh, wow. That was from 2012. That yeah. Was from 2012. Cool. Wait, yeah. I think maybe we. No, 2014. Okay. I think we recorded it in like 2012, 2013, maybe. I can't remember. I'm like, I'm really bad about remembering mm-hmm. years. But I think it was released in 2014. It was 2014. Cool. Yes, um, nice. But our second album, Hushers, came out in 2016. Okay. Maybe that's how I got to mix that. Yeah. Um, what what's that thought process for y'all of like putting together stuff for an album and like like the programming decisions yeah yeah oh that's a great question um well we learned we learned from our first experience recording um it was really tough we tried to do pieces that we had not performed all that often so for this and, and for the second album that was sort of true there were a couple pieces that we performed a couple times but not nearly as like much as we had wanted to and we have a third album coming out in march cool. so in 2018 um and all of it is stuff that we have performed at least 20 times so i feel like it's really just trial and error with yeah. every time we're like trying to get the programming part of it better um and and really we just want our goals are to demonstrate what the voice can do mm-hmm. in every instance of that, in every style and every genre within the contemporary classical genre itself. So each album has been like super different. The first one was all commissions that we did um, that was written specifically for our voice types. We worked, worked with each composer to write this piece specifically for us. And it was very DIY. Yeah. <laughs> and the second album was like, let's bring some bigger names. So we got Sariaho on there and we got Kate Soper, who's like a great uh, wedding. She's in wedding ensemble and they mm. come to Chicago a lot. And she um, is a New York based person. And Jacinto Shelsey, who is a very famous 
um, microtonal composer, mm. Italian composer. If you're not familiar with Chelsea, you should look it up. Mm-hmm. S C E L S I Chelsea. Cool. Um, and uh, that. That is completely different from Realign the Time because we don't have anything that's microtonal on the first one. It's all commissions. The second album is only one commission, and that was from like a university residency that we did. And then this third album that's coming up is like a Pussy Riot piece that's kind of like punk inspired and uh, by Jennifer Jolly, if you know who that is. She's mm. like um, Cincinnati based, she's amazing. And Gilda Lyons, who's a New York poser, composer. I love Gilda Lyons. You love her? Yes, she's amazing. She performs her own music, writes her own stuff. She's fucking badass. I I love that she like comes from such a strong um, like kind of Irish yeah. folk tradition. Yep. Um, she was she's at such a strong voice. She was at. Um, she wrote. I performed in an opera of hers. Oh. Um, Opera Theater of Pittsburgh commissioned her to write a piece based off of Rachel Carson, and it was called oh. A New Kind of Fallout. Oh. And, um, I don't know this. I should look it up. Like Fallout Boy? Yes. Exactly like it's that, all, I'm sure. It's all Fallout Boy inspired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically about regulating um, pesticides. Whoa. Um, God, I love contemporary opera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. And um, so she came and like hung out with us for that summer. Oh, awesome. I ha- still have not met her in person. She's lovely. I believe it. Um, and she, we had these like cabaret nights at the end after every performance. And she got up at the end of the night and was like, I'm just going to sing Parting Glass. And unaccompanied, oh. just like stood up and just like nailed it. Oh my Blew god. Blew everyone away. And just like with every fiber of her being, she just kind of like opened up and Love like it. bellowed a parting glass. Oh my god, that's awesome. Um, and like I can hear it in her music. It's so, so cool. So yeah, she's badass. So we did uh, a piece by her, Bow Needles. If you don't know it, look it up. It's awesome. Awesome. And who else? The Laura Steenberg and the Kara mm-hmm. Haxo, actually, which was on the concert last night. So cool. yeah, yeah. That's, that's going to be the album. So those are all pieces that we performed like a bunch of times we feel so solid about the the like concept of the piece the mm-hmm. the pussy riot thing like we're all very outspoken feminists in our own you know individual ways we don't always agree on everything but like we're outspoken and there are there is no other all female contemporary group in the US that I know of if anyone knows one please tell me but we are trying to be strong females in this in this crazy fucking music scene and mm-hmm. yeah it's important to us to have that show in our programming choices cool. <laughs> awesome cool well um the last thing we do with all of our guests is a Uh-oh. one minute plug for anything they have upcoming sometimes it's very obvious like a um performance of uh Schoenberg songs or something mm-hmm. like that um other times it can be uh <laughs> shouting out of folks that are specific. doing I know it's the same when you do the same bit a hundred times it's like um uh sorry otherwise it it can be like a shout out of folks that you think are doing dope work or like self-care things oh self-care things tv shows I love that um okay so I feel like there is a stigma around contemporary music Mm -hmm. contemporary vocal music and particularly around extended techniques and or singing straight tone. So I would love to recommend 
pieces in particular Mm -hmm. for people to listen to if they are interested in that if they're if they're singers great if not just like getting into it because we need audience people that are not also musicians and Mm -hmm. our friends so david lang listen to david lang julia wolf steve reich Courtney Bryan, Federico Garcia de Castro, Jennifer Jolly. Look these people up. They write amazing music that like runs the gamut. Apergis, Georges Apergis, Lachenmann, like L A C H E N M A N N. Shelsey, who I mentioned earlier. Like, listen to these people. They write things that will blow your fucking mind. Nice. Um, I, get, I still get like 30 seconds, right? Yeah. So my Schoenberg thing is going to be at Constellation Chicago on Sunday, November 19th at 8.30 p.m. with me cool. and Chris Chris Narlock with these commissions. Um, Quince will release our album in March 2018. It will be called Motherland, um, which is sort of like all the composers are women and also, which was not actually intentional, but awesome and also because the motherland is like referencing a little bit of the punk scene in russia right now with the with the pussy riot piece so please look out for that in march 2018 motherland it'll be through new focus recordings label yeah thanks so much for having me of course course. yeah anytime you want to come back on please do yeah please Yeah. yeah done well thank you all so much for listening i've been dan johansson i continue to be maureen smith if you want to keep up with what we are up to there are a lot of ways that you can do that you can head over to scopymag.com that's our website we post all of our articles there we have all of our podcasts there we have all of our scopy studios and scopy sessions there all of our videos content from is yeah. there yeah. oh content Con- buzzword content Con- mm-hmm. um otherwise you can find us on social media we're on facebook under scopy magazine we're on instagram twitter tumblr Google Play and iTunes podcasts under Scopy Mag. We spell that S C A P I M A G. And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Everything that we've been able to do up to this point has been through your generosity. So first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, we could use a little bit more help. If you're in a position to give, you can head to our website, scopymag.com. Head to our About section. There are a couple ways that you can give. First way is that you can do a one-time donation. If you choose to do that, you will have our eternal gratitude. If you choose to give on a monthly level, some cool things will happen our next couple monthly donors are at any level are gonna get a bag of half wet coffee um okay sorry uh, <laughs> at, uh, at ten dollars a month you're gonna get one one free session of studio photography from daniel Ooh. And at $25 a month, if you run an organization, if you have something that or a business um, and you would like advertising on our website, you will have space on our website for advertising for $25 a month, mm-hmm. which is cheaper than Facebook advertising. Yeah. So Take that, Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> yeah. if that is your Zuck. real name. Yeah. Yeah. Zuck, you suck. Hey oh, Zuck sucks. <laughs> hey oh. So give a little, <laughs> give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>